this week on the Adaptation Game. I'm the baby merchant. Tots are us. I give you all the service and no damn fuss. Give the baby merchant just a week or two. Ladies and gentlemen, to the Adaptation Game, the show where a couple of sad, sad little boys decide to adapt various <laughs> media into other forms. I am, of course, your host, Mr. Matthew Schott, and with me, as always, is my intrepid co-host, Mr. Chris Okawa. <laughs> Hi. Chris is uh, uh, really upset. We had to we had to give him a talking to before we started recording. He, he doesn't handle criticism well. See, I can make that joke because I am a, sen- a sensitive little boy, and I don't handle criticism. Well. Um, this week we are doing something quite different, and I feel like I say that almost every week. This is a show that is pure chaos. It is chaos personified. But this week especially, we are doing something real wacky. Chris and I, uh, known for our famous takes on marketing decisions, mm-hmm. uh, starting with our um, movie to YouTube red unskippable ad, yes. and of course our um, our our famous bye bye man to uh, TikTok released over the course of two hundred and sixty days yes. in one minute chunks. So we decided, what if we just did a whole episode built around this premise of marketing unmarketable products in the most obtuse and strange ways we could possibly think of. And so uh, not a lot of uh, parameters given on this one. No. So this is this is going to be a really interesting exploration into the minds of Chris and I as we attempt to market the unmarketable. We are taking notoriously bad films and turning them into legendary marketing experiences so in terms of, uh, this is going to be an interesting personal history, in terms of uh, our own personal history with this subject, Chris, what's your go-to bad movie that you love? My go-to bad movie that I love? Yeah, when you just want to like cackle and, and make fun of a terrible film. I think, you know, I'd like it to be Troll 2, but I got so mad the first time I watched that film that I charged <laughs> the television and a friend had to hold me, like hold the blanket back. I was like kind of tipsy or whatnot, but I was just so mad. Uh, so not that one. Um, the one that it is, eh, I'm always open to bad movies, but I'd watch The Room any day pretty much. I mean, the room is legendary. The room is is oh, hi, is Mark. a priceless gem. You're I've my seen the room customer. at least fifteen times and met uh, both Tommy and Greg. Um, I actually really? okay. He, here's my weird room story. I went to a, a special screening um, of the room in Silver Spring, Maryland, where it was billed as a live room experience and What's watching the movie. Are live, but what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, this what? Is, no, this is this was different because 
they what they had done is they uh, and I, I spoke to one of the actors they hired after the show and got the whole story from him. So this is the inside scoop on this performance. What they had done was uh, they had put out an ad on Craigslist oh, for good. looking looking for actors. That's and where this you find gentleman, them. This gentleman that I had spoken to. That's <laughs> where actors live. <laughs> we all on live Craigslist. on Craigslist. That's why we it's all true. have apartments in Craigslist. <laughs> I believe that's how they cast Men in Black was on Craigslist. They I were like looking so. for two men to wear black. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Craigslist slash central casting is the site if you're looking to do the website. Digital um, submissions. So this guy answered this Craigslist ad thinking he was just like a random paid acting gig and he shows up and walks into the room and who's there but Tommy Wiseau, which is an experience I can't even begin to fathom. Like not knowing what the gig is. I would be so afraid. I'd be so afraid. I, there are moments in your life when you just have the, like for me, definitely this is true where you just have a little switch flip in your mind. It's almost like the recorder of your brain is turning on because yeah. you're just like, this needs to be preserved for posterity because what's yeah. about to happen is sure to be insane. Uh, and that was definitely this experience for me. Um, as I'm sure it was for this gentleman who uh, signed up for this gig. So he comes to this room and Tommy Wiseau is there and he's like, Okay, uh, we're going to do a live reading of the room. So you're all going to have scripts and we're just going to like read it. Uh, and then. That's the audition? Well, no, there was no audition. They just showed there up and no did the thing. There was no audition. They no, there up was. They just, you, you got an email saying, okay, come to this place. All right. Tommy Wiseau's hired you based on the <laughs> words you wrote. Based on the based on the email you sent, you were able to decipher Craigslist, so you're in. And um, <laughs> your, your, what is it? The reply to email that's like, a crypto key. It's like every <laughs> yeah, number no, exactly. and every letter. It's <laughs> exactly right. And um, so, so this guy uh, shows up to the uh, to the to the room, and they're like, "Okay, it's going to be a live reading. You're all going to have your scripts in hands, so we're just going to read the script." But then, mere moments before these actors go out on stage, oh, Tommy Wiseau says, "No." No scripts allowed. This is going to be a live performance. This is good. Everybody needs to be off book. So no. what I saw was just this, these, these poor actors trying to, from memory, remember what happens in the room alongside the two lead actors, Tommy and Greg. Were they playing themselves? Yeah. Well, they were playing their parts from the movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it was just pure nonsense. The poor woman playing i think lisa she was playing no, lisa lisa you tear me apart lisa she brought her script out on stage and tommy took it from her and threw it into the audience are you serious what was the reaction were people applauding did people think I mean, it was a theatrical moment it was an extremely rowdy room uh you know the party scene towards the end yeah um they literally just had Tommy was always like, it's a party. We need people. And like the half the audience just rushed onto of this course. tiny stage. Who wouldn't? And so it was just a stage overflowing with patrons uh, <laughs> as there's a scene trying to go on in the background. Wow. It was, it was extremely rowdy and extremely fun. That's the big um, reveal scene, though, isn't it? Where he finds out about the baby or something. Where he I says, think. we're we're expecting. Ah, 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 um, yeah. Ah, ah, ah. It's, and there's like a big blow up at the party. Laugh. 
The most joyless <laughs> laugh in humanity is Wiseau's laugh. He seems like a joyless man, I'll be honest. Uh-huh, I did. I, uh-huh. I, uh, my girlfriend, my then girlfriend and I uh, briefly met uh, Tommy and Greg afterwards. And Greg was super, super nice. He was like super chill, um, extremely cordial. And Tommy seemed like some sort of space alien. Um, he, he was, it was uh, like having a, an encounter with uh, some sort of extra dimensional being, sort of like at the end of every Lovecraft story, yeah. where the protagonist comes face to face with some cosmic, with unknowable fe- yeah. entity. That's <laughs> yeah. what meeting uh, Tommy Wiseau is like. You're just like, I don't really know what just happened, and I don't feel like I'm mentally well after you, this experience. Can I ask you a question? Please, you From can ask me anything. Him, do you feel like you got any closer to the mystery of where Tommy gets his money? No, again, he's unknowable. He is unknowable. The whole thing is unknowable. He didn't take his sunglasses off once the entire he time. He doesn't ever sunglasses take his sunglasses off, off, off the whole yeah. time. Um he signed I had I got an exclusive like limited edition poster from this event and he just signed it love exclamation point. Um without his name. <laughs> well, no, I mean, he signed, he signed he his name underneath love, that. Tommy, but it just said love. Which love. Just said love, ex- exclamation I point. I love you, Matt. Ha, 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 ha. There was a Q&A section, and uh, somebody asked him what music he likes to work out to. And okay. he said... Uh, he does his, like to work out. His response was, oh, you know, classical music, Shakespeare, blah, blah, blah. Shakespeare, blah, blah, blah. So there's something there's something off about (laughs) that, man. I think here's my. I don't think he works out at all. I think he just sort of got Plato printed and and was given the. I think I was gonna say I think he's a homunculus. I think he was like. um, I think so too. I I think he was created by like like those uh, homunculi in the cast um, of Full Metal Alchemist. I was gonna say like in Full Metal Alchemist, but he's like the one that like wasn't right. You know, he's like he's like the chimera. Yeah, the chimera dog face girl. Face. He's the dog girl. That is that's, the most terrifying um, voice in the anime. That's so scary. I mean, that's the moment. That's the, when I think when people think of Full Metal Alchemist, that's the moment people think of. Truly heartbreaking. Um, so I think for me, uh, I mean, obviously the room is a big one for me, but I try to always find like new and different fun movies to uh fun bad movies to show to people uh birdemic is an amazing film i've heard um birdemic makes the room look like such a competently made film really like i've been in many movies that are better made than birdemic oh i had a question Um, a final question about the live room was there the weird sex scenes in the live room where it was like and then we make love and she doesn't like it <laughs> no, I think they skipped those. Uh, I don't have any recollection of them humping on stage, so I, I, I imagine that they humping uh, skipped those. on stage one time and then using the footage twice. The only other thing I remember about this experience was that I had um, I was in a phase of my life where I was wearing the One Ring as a necklace. Uh, I had like nice. a chain necklace with the One Ring on I it, had a friend and that I did had that. a girlfriend, so. 
Yeah, I was, uh, I, I was uh, the, probably peak peak life there. I, I, it's all downhill <laughs> yeah. from after that. We got to get that fucking ring back on, buddy. I got to get. I know that was the thing that was just they they couldn't resist its pull because she um, wasn't. Maybe she wasn't sure if it was real or not. And then like when she found out it wasn't real, then she was she she was hanging out with me and very covetous of it. Like she would always ask to hold it and was like, "Can I just like see it for a second? Share the load." Would she and, go to uh, the eventually? Bathroom? She go in the bathroom in the middle of the night and go. Yeah, she did have a real coughing problem, um, and then she bit my finger off and fell into a volcano. Yeah, it's a real shame. Um, People don't know that part of the story. They just assume you broke up. <laughs> yeah, no. Unfortunately, we did not break up. She did bite my fingers off, um, and I will carry the scars of that journey for the rest of my life, well, and I'll never truly breakup. heal. Better than um, some yeah, breakups that I've which had. is yeah, it's that's that's about on par for a breakup. Um, so. <laughs> Birdemic is great if you haven't seen Birdemic uh, do yourself a favor get a group together and watch it I don't think bad movies are meant to be watched on their own no uh, you really need like a, a fun group of people oh, together can I revise my answer it's cats watch Birdemic that's the thing you have to take away from this watch Birdemic get a group together watch Birdemic have a good time and speaking of good times I think it's time for us to go to the place where the best times are had and that is of course the zone of pitches, the pitch zone. And once again, we are treated with a brand new pitch zone theme song. And I'm excited to hear it because it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. So without further ado, let us now go to the pitch zone. Have you dreamed of visiting a faraway land Where anything is possible Welcome, take my hand I'll bring you to a world Beyond your imagining It will be grand Hey, Matt, can I ask you a question? <laughs> mm-hmm, sure. Have you ever had a sound suck your dick? Yeah, that's what that experience that's was. That's exactly absolutely. what that felt like. Uh, thank you, Sam Kessler, uh, for contributing once again a pitch zone theme for us. Um, that was the, it really, it's coming out on Disney DVD and video uh, next week. <laughs> it's, so that's really but you exciting. can be quick, be quick, because it's going back in the vault soon. Uh, Very it's not going to have a whole lot of time. You can only get it at the Disney store. And you got to get, and it comes in one of those clamshell uh, yes, VHS very cases, very which bulky. I, I used to love to smell those. I don't know if I was the only one, but they I had used a very to like unique to chew smell. On okay, I like to so, chew on them because they're they're hollow, uh, sculpted edges, and I like yeah. to crunch it in my mouth. It's so we had similar sensory experiences <laughs> with the uh, Disney clamshells. I think that's where the pitch juice entered our brains, honestly, because we yeah, were both worshiping. That's uh, the first time I took a big whiff of the space behind the uh, the the card. Uh, I I remember that was the first time I just like my eyes glazed over and I was just like pitch zone. 
Yeah. And that was where it, that was, that was where it was born. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, the origin story, the canonical origin story of the pitch zone of Chris and I are ostensibly a forced dyad brought together by the P, by the power of the, uh, clamshells the chemicals in the clamshells yeah yes the power and chemicals the powerful chemicals so uh first up on the pitcher's bound this week uh taking kind of a somber approach here at the stage uh at coachella the lights go down uh beck has just left the stage after a, a rousing performance and the audience is kind of cheering uh, but then they kind of go quiet for a minute because they're like, oh my God, it's so dark on stage. Like who's coming out? And then a single spotlight illuminates showing just a shadowed figure holding an acoustic guitar, but his head is down and he's got a little cowboy hat on. So it's kind of covering and the audience is kind of like, who is this? Who is this? And then they hear like the first couple of and then the head slowly rises up revealing the somber face of Mr. Chris Okawa and the audience goes buck wild at the sight of this country music legend ready to pitch it out of the park and so with that Chris Okawa batter up hey ladies and gentlemen how you doing tonight <laughs> Looks like we got plenty of panties on the stage. Might someone spare us a few bras so we can match it up? Thank you. I do resell them on uh, on eBay later on. So, oh yeah, you in the front, that young man in the front whispering into the area, Mike. You're my favorite. Um, so <laughs> my uh, bomb film is Bloodbeat. Um, Bloodbeat. I'm trying to think of how I heard of it i think it was listed maybe for alamo draft house um but i'll read you just the synopsis for it i mean the posters behind me it's salacious it's a you know it's a naked woman uh riding a man sexually with her fingers entwined in his and then in the background is a katana wielding uh non-piloted uh a suit of samurai armor blood dripping everywhere it really checks all the boxes of a proper uh sort of horror uh, sort of pulpy poster. So I do like that you describe wearing samurai armor as piloting it. Yeah, it's it's uh, there's you have well there's it, it feels like nothing is in there and well nothing is in there so maybe it's like energy is piloting it as opposed to like energy is wearing it right. Would you consider yourself to be piloting your clothing right now? Like you are the pilot of your shirt and pants. If I was energy, but I ha- that's the opposite of who I am. I have no energy. I'm just a little meat assemblage. <laughs> That's I'm pretty sure is being controlled by a second grader playing human fall flat somewhere in Minnesota. <laughs> this is a real uh, Gerard Butler's gamer situation. Exactly. Uh, Precisely. <laughs> Ready Player Two is looking good. Uh, so uh, Bloodbeat, a 1983 indie flick. I think it was made over the course of like maybe a weekend or a couple weeks. Uh, it, the tagline is uh, a force of evil. Um, there's a bunch of fun trivia about it, but like, I think it was basically like one of like the cans board members child wanted to make a film, um, like his wayward son. And, uh, it, it, so I think it actually may have played at can in 1988. Um, you guys can reach out to us on social if I'm completely off base, but the synopsis basically is a woman travels to rural Wisconsin to meet her boyfriend's family. 
but her body becomes possessed by the spirit of a Japanese samurai warrior who Mm. goes on a killing spree. Now, that synopsis plays very much like the movie, which plays like they had a bunch of assorted sort of props and items on hand, a Mad Libs genius behind the camera, and they're like, what do we have? We have this actually Bushido-era samurai, like, outfit that needs to be piloted by somebody and they were like you know what i think we got ourselves a fucking movie um any questions so so far is there a reason in the film given as to why this samurai is uh uh, on a quest for revenge was he wronged in some way or was he killed by sub-zero no it wasn't killed by sub-zero or sub-zero's real brother um Bihan is the one that killed Scorpion, mm. supposedly. Allegedly, it was Quan Chi. <laughs> Some days, mid-show, I wonder who this show's for. And then I, <laughs> then I look back through my Skype lens and I know who it is. Exactly. It's just for me. <laughs> it's just for daddy. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's a, a just like a spiteful suit of armor. Um, the armor, the trope of the armor being haunted is actually not really introduced um, even very like ceremonially or ceremoniously. Um, there's a lot of hunting in the woods in this film. Uh, so there's a lot of running around in the woods, hunting, having a good time, then being hunted by the samurai, having a final fight in the woods with the samurai. Let's get to it, though. We're going to do this for the Bloodbeat re-release. The re-release mm-hmm. no one asked for. Uh, so the would, studio, mm-hmm. the studio has has said they've handed you Chris Okawa. Here's the rights to Bloodbeat. We need to make a profit on this. How can you market it? Yeah, who produced Bloodbeat? I know it's a really fun studio name. Um, it's just a man's name. Oh, Husky Pup Film Productions gave me a ring and was like, Chris, uh, we've just been acquired by the Weinstein film group. And we, we, to our understanding, we're West Germans, So we don't know if that's good or bad. And first of all, you have to answer that. Second of all, we need to get people, we need to get asses and seats for this fucking movie. And I'm like, say no more fam. And then I send them the portfolio of the show and they hear the Zia Wateno sorbet speech from the ice cream, ice cream. <laughs> and they're like, this guy knows, knows films in <laughs> and out. And he knows how to, con- he, his ass is shitting gold and he himself is a vessel for adaptation. Um, so I ate their IP, I ate the blood beat and I shit it out. Blood beat colon in plain sight, the world's first socially distanced haunted house. So this is a, this is a viral event for the modern era. Um, this is of course preceding the blood beat release. Uh, Husky pup has hired me to do it. Um, so, uh, much of Bloodbeat, uh, like I said, occurs in the woods on hunting. Um, there's like a despondent sort of, uh, deadbeat stepdad, uh, who always has a, wa- a Walkman on his ears while he's, while he's hunting, which would make you very bad. I think if you know anything about hunting, you're losing a, a lot of your senses that way. Yeah. You really need those senses. And he wears a red flannel shirt, like the brawny man the entire time. Uh, <laughs> also what sort of gives the aesthetic of like, they just sort of found a bunch of stuff in an old costume trunk and start rolling. Um, so much of the actions in the woods, there's a lot of hunting themes. The film begins there, then returns there a few minutes in a random dude runs out of the woods, gored through the middle in the middle of a hog hunt that they're conducting at that point. Uh, then they hunt the boar. Uh, they hunt the boar 
there's a few things that happen here. So this man is being like sewn up and the ambulance and whatnot. It, 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 the man is found gored around noonish, like high noon in these woods. And then the next scene is in the dead of night when the ambulances are there, which is like the guy's <laughs> probably dead. It took him um, a while to get there. It's really the the I mean the continuity is impeccable as you would expect from such a title, um, and the film is fixated on this hunting thing. The stepdad wears the red flannel, like I said. Uh, the final fight takes place against the armor out in the woods, um, it, it, and then goes back into the dimly lit study for the grand finale. Um, I forgot to mention there's two members of this family who are also psychics. Um, psychics, they're okay. labeled as psychics, but they're actually telepaths. And there's a lot that's of a form. That's 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 like being psychic. Yeah. You're just telepathic. Okay, cool. So there's like a lot of like rotoscoping going on on screen. So that's really what this re-release is for is to uh, sort of George Lucas eyes because that was really popular. <laughs> uh, the special effects of the rotoscoping. They want to put modern stuff. And the film's also known for in its captions, mythical boinging is what is written in all the captions, like wong, 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 sure. while they're doing their power fights, um, while they're fighting with their power. So you buy your tickets to Blood Beat in plain sight. The tickets are not expensive, all right? We want, they might even be free, might even put them in cereal. I don't know. Uh, you get GPS coordinates that are, there's a partnership with Google Earth. Uh, and you uh, type in those coordinates. It takes you right there. Uh, so you drive out into the Vermont woods because we're classy here. We're not going to make you go to Wisconsin. Nothing's in Wisconsin. Um, we're going to go in the Vermont woods, and there's a small leafy grove for you to park your car. This is all. This event takes place near Halloween, of course. Uh, once you get out, motion-activated red lasers light a path through the trees, like boom, 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 like sort of like in a sequence, like World of Color. You hear the mythical boinging, which the fans will love. Classic. It's like boing, boing, boing. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm in Bloodbeat, and this is just a dream come true, absolutely. Uh, and you follow the, the lasers for about 150 yards, not too far. I don't want people to get lost or sad or scared. Um, and then you... Uh, One you would get, argue that's the point of A Haunted House, is to experience oh, all of those things. Well, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> I just don't want people quitting on me. Um, so <laughs> um, so uh, it, it, the event is starts at around like, mm, like afternoon, kind of like when the guy gets his guts torn out. And if you're really clever, you can see like there's a dummy just sort of laying as a nod against a tree dying while he waits for the ambulance to arrive eight hours later. <laughs> and uh, like you do. And, um, but th we're not going to make too much of that. That's just for the like super fans, right? And that's also a really good, you, people could shoot that on TikTok. They could shoot it on Instagram. They're like, did you know that if you look to your left, halfway to your tree, that you're, you know, your designated tree during the blood beat in plain sight, you can see, and then it zooms in and it gets really pixelated. A man leaning against a tree. Um, so I, that's a classic Chris Okawa Easter egg. I think it was the first episode of the show where you said you were big into Easter eggs. And we're yeah. finally getting that payoff. We're finally getting that right after the season, the Easter season. My thunder can no longer be <laughs> stolen by that son of a bitch. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> Goddamn bunny. <laughs> yeah, the bunny. That's who I was talking about. <laughs> 
So uh, you're walking through these lasers, you're hearing the whooshing. Maybe if you're a clever young man, you're seeing the the uh, dummy. And then you find it leads you to these trees, these trees at a vantage point. Like you would if you were hunting something, you would have like on a ridge. And that happens a lot in the movie. They get on ridges. Uh, and you see two very clearly fake. It's a pair of, you buy the tickets in pairs. Clearly fake sniper rifles, like with the orange tip, uh, leaning against the uh, tree. And two pairs of, and the real fans will love this, the classic red and then a, a blue is like an, another look in the film of the plaid shirts. And you get to put on, and then nailed to that with bloody fingerprints is your directions. It's just put on your um, put on your flannel and pick up your sniper rifles like, or else you don't get any dessert. Um, and then beneath that is the signature Walkman, two of them. Uh, f- that the hunter stepdad wears uh, while he's hunting at the beginning, and uh, you you put them on. Wow. <laughs> uh, so with those headsets on, you hear the soundtrack and a fearful voice of our leading lady as she narrates the story and directs your scope of your rifle. You experience this whole story through the scope of your rifle uh, to a variety of scenes played out. Uh, you see before you as you look through the rifle because it's the rifle is also like sort of like trained in relationship to something on the tree. So it sort of is like turn left more, right more, up, down. It try, kind of like sort of is like you're getting hot or you're getting colder to what you need to see. How do they know when you're looking at the right spot? The rifles themselves, like the scope has like a kind of like the Wii technology in relationship to like a sensor on the tree and it's like oh this this needs to be at this angle to the tree for it to be so it's like an infrared uh like connector that once it connects yeah mm-hmm. that's when they're like ding 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 you're looking in the right spot yes sir this is and, the first uh, time we've ever even been sticklers about the mechanics of how <laughs> something would work <laughs> yeah especially what is this like what is this two episodes after the uh, Evangelion, like car that splits <laughs> into four. Um, <laughs> that seems doable to me. Or the pants that dance you around till you're paralyzed. <laughs> um, but uh, so these scopes are sort of like you know uh, geocentered, and you're you're looking at the right places. Uh, what you see is um, hopefully they don't notice this, but there's actually as it starts to sun starts to set. This is also sort of makes it more cinematic and and uh, theatrical because there's actually multiple houses uh, because we're showing different angles of the house, but we're not rotating these houses. We just fully built these. Ha- you know, we had a lot of money from the Weinstein company. <laughs> They're trying to actually bury their assets before all of the victims come forward and claim them. So uh, he, you see a house replica, you see the yard, you see the upstairs of the house in one of the houses. And there's a second replica of the house uh, that's reversed to show uh, the uh, pantry and kitchen. And what plays out are this, these classic scenes from the film. I mean, the front yard where the stepdad realizes he's never going to be their real dad. Uh, and then you cut over to and the music, the, the dialogue and stuff is, is ported in through your headphones. And then there's the uh, front room scene where the dad who realizes he's not going to be their real dad ever uh pulls another headset and a television from under like a table like it's like some like sort of like accessory and he plugs it into the wall and watches some sports on it on a ground pillow and it's probably one of the most pathetic images in film I've ever seen um <laughs> so you watch that scene and now you're like oh, I feel bad for the dad and then you go to the third vignette and it's the pantry 
And this is where the real fans are like, oh, I am rock hard. I know exactly <laughs> what's coming up next. I'm going to see the Hershey's can fly at him. I'm going to see the Campbell's soup can. I'm going to see the cheese whiz. I'm going to see the Baroli. I'm going to see all of this product placement items badly animated flying through the frame uh, as controlled telepathically by our uh, our haunted samurai suit. And that's when we realize like there's an evil samurai loose. Um, and then there's another scene that you see at the neighbor's house down the way um, where uh, the the guy's in the bed with the dogs and he's kissing these dogs really inappropriately. And he asks his wife oh for God. some orange juice. Um, and this really only <laughs> serves for... <laughs> It's the dead of night and he asks for his orange juice and it really only serves for the samurai to kick in a wall and murder him and do a chase scene and the chase scene leads uh, the samurai back to our central house. At this time, we've had time to like sort of dress other parts of the house and the actors have regained their composure back at the main house, the star house, and they're ready for um, the finales where the, the samurai's chopping through walls and there's a couple, there's a brother and sister who are kind of inappropriate with each other and they're hiding in a, in a closet and the, the, the katana is stabbing through the door. You get to see that scene. Um, that's actually just out in the open air with just like a stage light lighting it. Um, and then, uh, you, you look confused, Matthew. I, there's so much about this this pitch, but I'm 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 like this this I am like a diet coke that has had a Mentos placed in it, and it's just somebody's just holding down on that cap, and it's just like oh, just wait, just let him finish describing this haunted experience, and then I'm just gonna blow. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we're almost done there, and uh, then you see another scene where the mom is trying to paint, but then she also is telepathic, so she's watching her daughter fuck in the other room <laughs> through through the paintings that are facing her daughter's bed, and then the daughter senses that as a counter telepath, and she takes down the paintings, um, but just long enough, but but not before. Oh, but then also the daughter at this point gets possessed by the samurai. Uh, armor, and every time she comes, someone gets run through with a katana. Uh, and this is a big motif in our story. Um, it's a long night of her coming and also everyone going, if you know what I mean. And that's the uh, central plot of uh, Bloodbeat, which is basically, again, dark energy piloting a suit of armor and it's fucked with the wrong house of two telepaths that use gyroscope style aesthetic telepathy and they fight it and the two of the siblings hold hands and like mutter some sort of um, line from earlier in the the film that's supposed to be emotional if it wasn't completely ass. Um, and then also the daughter... They, they, they are looking for the armor after they subdue it. And they're like, I think it went in here. I think it went into the study. And they go in the study and they, they walk into the study. And uh, the daughter, who is a white person, is in full like geisha no. makeup while no. wearing the <laughs> samurai armor. And she's talking with a demon voice. And they have to shoot her with a crossbow. And I'm pretty sure that the armor doesn't get fully killed on screen because I think that the folks at Husky Pup were like, we got to keep this franchise valid. We got to keep <laughs> it available. 
And uh, but the funnest part about all of this is that at the end you have you feel like a, a click and a stiffening of the trigger in your uh, sniper rifles, uh, and you hear the girl be like, "Take the shot," and you have the option of of firing. Uh, you know, actually, it's like a light gun, basically. Um, fire, but it has full kickback and it will hurt you. Um, that's important. <laughs> Has a motion sensor in there, kind of like, uh, yeah, it has a little motion sensor in there, and it'll kick hard in your shoulder while you sh- shoot, uh, <laughs> and uh, but it won't shoot anything. And um, the uh, then, regardless of where you shoot, um, the uh, armor will like explode, and you'll hear the mythical boinging, and you'll hear a, a, an ethereal voice be like, "This has been blood beat in plain sight. Please lower your weapons." Uh, and uh, return your flannels to their designated hooks on the tree, or you can keep them. Have a good <laughs> night. And then the lights come on in the grove, and you can see your car very easily. There's no more lasers or mythical boinging. And so that's Bloodbeat in plain sight, uh, a the world's first uh, socially distanced haunted house, and the only haunted house that ends with you firing a sniper rifle fatally into the villain. Um, we will now accept questions. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know where to begin. So I'm just going to start, uh, or just rattling things off. Um, <laughs> so in, so as a, as a marketing technique to get people yeah. to go see the re-release of this film, yes. you've decided to take a, uh, to take the concept of a haunted house yes. and then smash it together with the arcade cabinets, uh, sniper scope or a silent scope rather, and uh, create this experience where people walk through the woods in order to get to a hill where they can like, I guess lay down on the ground with a sniper with a sniper rifle the cold, and then just cold ground, the cold Vermont watch ground scenes of this movie play yes. out in just with one eye. Yes. Uh, through the scope of a you face. You can use sniper both rifle. eyes, but you're not going to have fun. <laughs> no, I think you're you not always... going to have fun. Is going to be the, t- the tagline of this haunted house. <laughs> Blood beat in plain sight. You're not going to have fun. You're not going to have fun. <laughs> and please be sure to tag your photos with the hashtag. You're not going to. I did not have fun. <laughs> I mean, and I love that. Hashtag this is not all, fun. <laughs> this is all in service of <sighs> just watching scenes from the movie play out in a couple of houses. Live. And also maybe the lights come on at the end. You realize they rotated the houses. There's three different houses. I thought I was looking at the same house. I mean. I, like, why not just have them walk through the house and like get chased by the the by the samurai armor or That's you know scary. like a... That's too scary. <laughs> Come on, it's a haunted house. What's more That's... invigorating than predatorily watching actors through the lens of a sniper <laughs> rifle? How long of an experience is this? Oh, it's a good forty-five minutes, maybe oh an hour. Oh my god! <laughs> so you're like, just long enough to get the- hungry, and maybe we'll put like a nineteen eighty-eight era sort of like a He-Man lunchbox <laughs> underneath the tree. It's like should you're, you get peckish? Enjoy a 
American I cheese mean, and mayonnaise sandwich on, <laughs> on white bread. There's no way <laughs> that 90, 90% of the participants of this haunted, <laughs> quote unquote, haunted house experience are quote just going to be lying. Quote unquote. This is They're the scariest be- house in the wilderness. <laughs> now, this is They're the scariest just- house in, in like a hundred mile radius. And I did that on purpose. <laughs> They're going to be lying on the wet grass. Just like, I can't find anything. What are you guys looking at? Where am I supposed to look? <laughs> That's and the and the dialogue and sound effects and and mythical boying are just going on without playing, them. Yeah, it's just playing without them. You, they're just like looking at trees close yes. up. Like, wait, where? What am I supposed to be looking at while they hear? And then I went into the pantry. Yes, and then and then. <laughs> And then the old man asked for some orange juice while sensuously kissing his dogs. Matthew, like, you're the gonna... best part. That's the best part is that once they do find what they're looking for, they just find the image of this man lying in bed get, with dogs. Like, really, that's it? And it's like tenderly yeah. kissing them while he's like, get me some orange juice. You have you seen this? Are you sure you haven't seen this movie? That's exactly the movie. <laughs> I think that might have been the the, director too. I'm looking at some facts here. I don't say this lightly, Chris, because we've we've had a lot of experiences on this podcast, but this is the worst (laughs) idea I've ever heard in my life. Oh my god. I mean, god. this is just a grueling and miserable experience. Just watch the movie at that point. You're just watching scenes from the movie in the worst I know, I version. Think, I think you <laughs> misunderstand the degree of arousal an American person feels with a firearm in their hand. So I think <laughs> I think you really underestimate. Have you ever held a firearm in your hand? Yes, I have. Have you ever uh, wished that you could have watched a movie while doing it? No, not particularly. All right, let me let me <laughs> let me see if this is let me see if this can be salvaged. All right, because because there's some yeah, things here that punch I, up. let's take it to punch up. Also, it is an eighteen and up. I'm, it's an eighteen and up experience <laughs> because the tits are out. Yeah, well, that's to match see, the that would have been. That would have been my first punch up is more sex, but yeah, um, it has to match, match the poster every time she she be coming, ever someone be going. Now, are you familiar? Maybe with that's the, the tagline. She comes, you go. Blood be in plain sight. <laughs> wow, that's actually an amazing tagline. <laughs> um, so, are you familiar with the uh, uh, journalistic expose, The Voyeur's Motel by Gay Talese? No. Now, Gay Talese was a uh, journalist who uh, interviewed a man who constructed a motel through which he built a series of tunnels so that he could watch the different people in the different motel rooms uh, and take notes on what they did and mm. uh, watch them have sex and he masturbates. So, and this uh, is here's, a, wow. This is a true story. This is something that actually happened. Um, it's a fascinating read, uh, the Voyeur's Motel. But here's what I'm thinking. It's like, you're already creating this kind of voyeuristic experience. So let's go further with that. Let's have this be like, let's set this in like a hotel or or maybe all in this big house. And the people that go through, walk through and find little holes in the wall. Sort of like oh. how, um, sort of like how Sleep No More, you're just yes. kind of wandering around hoping that you find something happening in one of the rooms that you wander into. <laughs> yes. Similarly, you're just wandering through the walls of this, of this like house in the woods, 
looking through like holes in the wall and like finding little picture frames where the eyes are cut out. And sometimes you stumble across, you know, somebody getting chased by the murderer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you stumble across, uh, you know, a woman making passionate love in bed with her uh, her lover. You don't even have to stumble upon. You'll be able to hear it and it's going on the entire time. <laughs> Some people, that's just why they go. And sometimes you stumble across a man lying in bed tenderly with his dogs, kissing them. Kissing them uh, And demanding orange juice. Demanding orange uh, juice. From his wife. And as soon as his wife brings in the orange juice, uh, he's like, get out of here, leave us alone. <laughs> and then they get murked. <laughs> you left out the part um, where they get then- murked by a katana. And so here's the best part, right? Here's the best part of the experience now. And I know what you're thinking, but Matt, how do people get hurt in this experience? Because I know that's important to you. Well, here's how. Um, (laughs) Eventually, after a series of time, after a a certain amount of time has taken place, and these are cramped hallways, by the way. This is not an easy thing to navigate. These are like cramped crawl spaces that people are shuffling through. So eventually, uh, somebody could potentially see, if they're watching the basement, they could see the samurai go into the walls. And as he does, he sticks his little sword out and he just cuts the power to the house. So it goes pitch black. And now the samurai is in the walls with you. So it's just a bad dash of people scrambling to get out. Wow. Wow. this claustrophobic nightmare experience. What happens when he gets there? Or is he a a, a projection of piloted energy? No, see, here's the thing. The samurai is never actually in the walls. That's just the trick that we play on the audience. The audience is never in any danger, but the suggestion that the samurai is in the wall is fearful enough. And this is somebody. Some people will probably get trampled uh, in this crawl space there will as they're be trying at least to one shuffle or two, out. Maybe a punctured lung, but we can afford that on the Weinstein uh, Corporation's budget. And you know, we can have two tickets be sold, right? Here's here's how we incorporate your idea. Yeah, you have so to we buy have them two, two. So yeah. we have we have we have two possible tickets. You can either have a house ticket where you crawl through the walls. Or you can have a woods ticket where you have to navigate these dark woods and try to find the sniper rifle. And if you find and, it, and then you, you can, can watch. And you can watch, and then you can take the shot at the at the end. At at the end, yes. And there's also people fucking in the woods. Um, there's that people doesn't fucking, nec- and there's, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the movie. That's just like a touch that we put in. That sometimes you will- the guy. There's an actor who plays the guy who's been gored by the hog, and the the dog is is inappropriately kissing his wound. <laughs> Yeah, Which there's like at all. Se- separate, <laughs> <laughs> separate to the uh, to the events going on in the house. There is also like a pagan ritual going on in in the woods where yeah. there's just like a sort of like season two of True Blood, where there was like the the big orgy in town. It's it's something like that going on in the woods. Um, so that's something you can stumble show. onto. That show was uh, the horniest a, damn show. It was a very horny show, um, for sure. So so what do we think about this? What do we think about this version? Uh, less laying in the grass for an hour, more shuffling around in the dark you know, uh, in extremely tight and uncomfortable spaces. You know what it is, Matthew, is I think that, I think I just really hate this movie. And I think it's kind of the <laughs> same problem that I've had with some of the stuff like Bye Bye Man, where I, I hate the the thing I'm adapting so much that I try and punish it by making the worst possible <laughs> idea. And I think You're making that, the worst possible experience, but it's also the most memorable experience. Oh, I'll, I mean, I'll say in plain sight. Um, every time I say that, sorry, it uh, checks off a, a, a debt that I have of 25 <laughs> 
twenty five per appearance. <laughs> yes, um, of course. But uh, yeah, I think honestly, this this in the walls haunted house sounds actually so good. Like this film is undeserving of in the walls um but i do think that there should be a very graphic sex scene just occurring the entire time constantly and so constantly. we can know who's weird we can know who's weird with yeah. us in the audience you don't and always the, get to see that at the end it's of it the more you um, do because you're like i know this these people are weird they really they hung out in the bathroom the bath scene and like see, here's who's the gonna thing happen that- again Here's the thing that that differentiates us between Sleep No More and and this and maybe we should call it like uh, Bloodbeat colon in the walls. Um, in the walls. So uh, maybe here's the thing that differentiates us is uh, it, now with Sleep No More you get anonymity, right? You get those masks yeah. that you wear and nobody knows who you are. This is going to be the opposite. Uh, once you've scrambled out of the walls and you've made it out, there's just going to be a big board that says like, uh, Jason Clark, you sat in the <laughs> sex room for 20 minutes. Like laser you quest. <laughs> it's like a leader. It's like a leaderboard. Jason, Jason, Jason logged 25 minutes of 24 minutes in the sex room. He spent the majority of his time in the sex room. You get the trophy um, hands on the table, Jason. Uh, Megan Marker, uh, it says here that you uh, you couldn't find the sex room, but you were heard to mutter five different times, damn it, where's the sex room? So uh, <laughs> just like totally same, outed. In the same naming convention of Megan Marker, uh, Prince Philip, uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> you screamed the loudest and were heard muttering under your breath, I'd give every red cent of my life savings. To not be run through with this katana. <laughs> I mean, it's really just like the ultimate reveal and the scariest part of this experience is that it's a social experiment. You know, we're learning about people. This is a sociological undertaking where we're learning about people's fears, how horny they are, and perhaps their prejudice. It'll also be marked any sort of uh, derogatory statements you make towards uh, any Asian populations. Asian yeah. Yeah. Any sort of like any, any like a- offensive accents. Everything oh, that you wow. do is recorded. Everything you do is recorded and marked. You can't even say me so honey. If you yeah, say no. me so honey one time at this fucking place, because it is just laying in the air like a like a wet fart. Everyone's like, oh, well, that's it. So there's a lot of sex. There's a Asian element. Someone's going to say me so honey. If you say that one time, you go straight to jail. We have a very long terms of service that you sign at the beginning. And there's an officer who's not an actor waiting at the entrance of the house. There's just, as soon as you say that, there's just a spotlight in the walls that just <laughs> shines down on you. He's here, and, he's here, officer. And the samurai <laughs> bursts through the walls and pulls you out from the wall. And you're you taken so straight to now. You get taken straight to jail. Uh, so this is also this is, a st- <laughs> this is a sting operation. Also, so this is this, <laughs> this whole experience serves a lot of different functions. This is a year-round event now. It is. It is. It is one season. It is a haunted house, but the rest of them, it's just a sting <laughs> operation to find racists in Vermont. I think. I think we should probably change the name of this podcast. I think it should just be Matt and Chris create nightmare experiences. <laughs> Should we call so nightmare what it is. Nightmare <laughs> right. hellish. Please don't make this real. My God, please <laughs> no one give them money ever. How can we hurt people with Matt and Chris? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, obviously, I'm giving this the green light. Uh, I wasn't sold. I wasn't sold. But as soon as we started working in, as soon, uh, the hornier it got, the more sold I was. The and this is a public service. What you're doing, you're, you're not just promoting the re-release of a film. You're creating a public service for people, for some to, be people sh- to be shamed. And for some people, it'll be the only time they ever see a, a person have sex. Yeah. They ever see Absolutely. a naked person. And that's that's another that's another public service that we're providing. Depending so on the proclivities. Is, you know what I mean? Like it might be like yeah, more like th- a zoo for some people. They're like they're like <laughs> Jonathan, we would never, but look at that rack. You know what I, I mean? mean? There's there's all sorts of stuff going on here, you know, every combination of of gender and position to accommodate all comers. Yeah. Literally. It could also uh, be like blood beat a sex positive experience. Yeah, you could have blood. schools come in. Bloodbeat, a psychosexual uh, adventure for all ages. Please do not be racist. We could get <laughs> we get the we could get the religious kids from the religious school come in, and it's like Bloodbeat, uh, a, a study in abstinence, because it's like every time she comes, like someone dies gruesomely in the film. Oh, so this is now this is now a hell house. This is now a Christian haunted house designed to uh, scare kids. Great. <laughs> Um, yeah, this is uh, before we take this through any more uh, iterations, because I think we could riff on this all night. I'm going to I'm going to cut us <laughs> off here with uh, some just glaring green lights. And if, as the camera pan, as it pulls back, we see that the two green lights are, in fact, the breasts, the exposed breasts of this psychic woman um, mm-hmm. as she is making love to uh, the, the samurai armor itself. Um, so, you know, as the ultimate kind of she defeats him with uh with her the, love. Uh, with her sexuality and with her love. Yeah, absolutely. So um, with that, then um, Chris Okawa takes takes a stand, uh, takes a bow, removing his cowboy hat for a moment. Wow. Um, and uh, uh, the whole audience is just wiping away tears. It was like he, 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 the vibes that he had was very akin to um, uh What's this Bradley Cooper in um, A yeah. Star Is Born? Star very, is born. very similar vibes there. As he as he shuffles off, and then the lights start flashing, uh, and like a a, a high upbeat uh, a tempo starts playing as five identical uh, mat shots take the stage uh, in a sort of J-pop formation and start dancing in sync with each other, and the whole audience goes wild. And uh, it's my turn. That's what this is. It's my turn. So, uh, my pitch today was already name dropped once before, uh, in this podcast. So, uh, uh, before I reveal what it is, I'm going to, I'm going to build the setup for this experience. So we're living in a world now where I have similar to you, Chris, you've been approached with the rights to Bloodbeat, hoping to, that it could be salvaged, uh, not knowing that you would be instead creating a psychosexual experience for all ages. Uh, and I similarly have been approached by another production house that has gotten the rights to a cult classic film and a notorious bomb. And uh, they've said, we need you to make this a thing. We're going to re-release this in theaters. And we need you to make find a way to make this a huge win for us. We want some big cash fall on this. Okay. So I start thinking to myself, how do I get people to love something that's terrible? And it occurs to me recently, the release of the Snyder Cut showed us something. I think the more complicated and convoluted something gets, the more people start to forgive its faults and be like, no, actually, it's really smart 
You just don't get it. Actually, it's so, really good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a famously bad film and I am going to expand it outwards to such an untenable degree that it's going to create a diehard following of people who will defend it to the death. And who am I going to get to do this? I'm going to get the masters of convoluted, needlessly excessive storytelling, Square Enix. Mm-hmm. And I, with Square Enix on board, we are going to take this famous film and create the compilation of Troll 2. So this is not just the movie Troll 2 coming back into theaters. Oh, no. This is a multimedia experience a la the compilation of Final Fantasy VII or the Fabula Nova Cristales for Final Fantasy XIII. This is a multimedia experience where if you miss a single part, you're out. You're going to miss crucial stuff. So it all starts with the release of the first part of the compilation ahead of Catastrophe, Troll 2. A 32-issue graphic novel series crucial to understanding the events of Troll 2. (laughs) Okay. It tells the story of the founding of the Kingdom of the Goblins and their conquest of the peaceful world of Latricia Locklore. Okay. Now that's uh, I'm going to spell that just for the audience because I need them to know how convoluted the spelling of this is. It's L I apostrophe T R I apostrophe C I A apostrophe L O K apostrophe L O R. So the more apostrophes you get in there, the more uh, interesting it is. So after this 32 graphic novel uh, series is released, and I imagine the 32 issues will probably be released over the course of of several years. This is a long really? undertaking. So you, yeah, you long, long undertaking. This is like Google, a 10-year project. You have to have Google alerts on to be able to make sure you don't miss one and then therefore get kicked off the bandwagon. Yeah, and there are, all of these are going to be limited releases. So uh, next up is Countdown to Catastrophe, Troll 2, all right. uh, an Apple Arcade exclusive game detailing nice. the, the story of... of those. <laughs> That's <laughs> close to home. <laughs> It's Apple Arcade exclusive, so you know it's going to be played by <laughs> no tens one. and tens of people. <laughs> tens of grandmas. <laughs> it's, it tells the story of Gaius Grimoire, a paranormal investigator who is looking into the disappearance of a young girl, a young girl who is ultimately revealed to have been taken to the goblin world and had her soul extracted in order to create the hyperbellum modulator, the device which allows goblins to travel between worlds. This is a timed exclusive playable only for one month, after which it will receive no re-release. Then we have, after after that, we have the release of The Precipice of Principality, colon, Troll. This is a light novel exclusive to Books A Million, which details the tree ritual over Latricia Locklore, or Troll for short. This is the origins of Latricia Locklore and their plans for revenge against the Goblin Empire. Easily the most important piece of the puzzle as it explains why the movie is called Troll 2 despite having no trolls. trolls. But this is unfortunately a 900-page light novel that you have to uh, go to Books a Million to to buy. And it's also told non-chronologically and parts of it are in other languages. So next we have... Symbolium X Impasse or Symbolium Cross Impasse. 
It's a mobile-based, multi, uh, massively multiplayer online experience with a roadmap detailing a three-year-long six-season arc, which would tell the story of a rebellion against the goblins and the restructuring of their society. It's right. unbelievably essential to understanding the lore moving forward. Unfortunately, due to poor sales and poor download numbers, the servers will be shut down halfway through season two, no. and the rest of the story will remain untold. Wow. All future installments, all future installments of the story, however, will move forward as though the entirety of its story has been told and will offer no clarification whatsoever. All right. So then after that, we have Catastrophe Crux colon Troll 2, a 12 right. part animated miniseries exclusive to the Shutter streaming network. No. Which <laughs> tells the story. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> it tells the story. Can't even get an app for that on my Roku TV. <laughs> it tells the story of the new peaceful goblin duchy being overthrown and co-opted by the spirits of Latricia Locklore and the new goblin queen, who is actually an alternate universe version of the girl whom Gr Gaius Grimoire was searching for, but then was summoned to our world by the pains of both the natural spirit of Latricia Locklore and the suffering of her alternate universe self. She uses her six-dimensional magic to curse the goblins, corrupting them into a twisted mirror of their former selves. Okay. And then, after that, we have Troll versus 2.456, Foundation Under Consequence. A Google Stadia exclusive. No. Set 12 million years oh. after the events of Troll 2. 12 the million. The story follows Michar, the final human being on Earth, as he desperately tries to find his long-lost twin brother, only to discover the Earth he thought he was living on is actually a robotic duplicate of the real Earth, which was destroyed four million years ago, and the living planet is powered by the soul of his long-lost brother. It's seemingly unrelated to the rest of the series, unless you find the 12 hidden tablets, uh, which, when pieced together, tenuously connect this game to the events of Troll 2. And then, oh. after that, we release Troll 0002, Conflict in the Concord. This is a side story set concurrent to the events of Troll 2, following a member of the town of Nilbog who does not wish to eat any humans. This is an Amazon Prime exclusive streaming series starring Damian Lewis as a secret goblin-human hybrid, widely considered to the be, be the best one. It will unfortunately be removed from Amazon Prime due to its pro-union leanings. Mm. And then, so that's all build-up. That's all a decade of build-up. That takes 10 years for all of that to be, be released. And then finally, coming to theaters to cap off this experience, we have the rebuild of Troll 2, part one, Exaltation, which is a shot-for-shot -shot remake of the first 10 minutes of Troll 2 with very minor changes to tie into the expanded universe. And then following that point, every three years, another part will be released in theaters showing a shot-for-shot -shot remake of another 10 minutes of the film. And that is my release plan for the compilation of Troll 2, building out a universe which people have been begging to be expanded upon. I now open the floor to questions. I assume there will be very little. 
Um, who, uh, who's your target audience for this one, Matthew? Who's who we? Uh, who would you dream is so? You're raising them with this activity. On the on the one hand, I think we have Troll Two fans that are like, "Oh, great, yeah. more Troll Two. Yeah. That's great." But on the other hand, I think we have these like diehard uh, lo- lore nerds who love things like near. Uh, you know, love Dark Souls, things like that, where there's a ton of uh, esoteric lore waiting to be uncovered. And mm. that's what this, this is a project for people that they can dig into and learn everything they've ever wanted to know so that when they go see the rebuild of Troll 2 Part 1 Exaltation in theaters, they can like turn to their friends and be like, oh, you probably don't get that, but that's actually a reference to a ghost that lived a hundred years before the movie was released. They get to be that person. And that smug sense of satisfaction is what I'm trying to create in my audience. I think so. And I think that smug satisfaction, I mean, empires have been built on the backs of, I mean, America's built on the backs of smug satisfaction. Absolutely. So I think that, I mean, this is, this is, uh, Probert from uh, provability. We're here. We talk about fiscal provability and uh, promise. Promise department. We're sub. We're subsidiary of the promise department. And I think absolutely this, this piece just has so much promise. I mean, it's so much promise. It's so provable. And now let me ask you this: At what point during this pitch did your eyes just glaze over and it all became white noise? Um, I think it would, to be honest with you, Matthew, it was somewhere after you said that there was going to be 12 graphic novels released in the course of a decade. <laughs> There's 32 graphic novels, first of all. Well, see, you, if you only read the first 12, you'd be very confused. Um, and that's also, and see, Chris, what we've hit on here is the other effect that I'm going for. It's that glazed over eyes effect <laughs> where people are like, this is so much bigger than me. This is so much more than I can comprehend. Thus, they just give it the benefit of the doubt and they assume this must be really deep. This must be really good if it's too much for me to handle. And, you know, even the people that do do the digging, they won't be able to make heads or tail of it. I'm going to I'm going to oversee the lore writing of this to make sure that it is impossible to decipher. I think uh, in that regard, then, Matthew, I think that. um. Uh, I, I think, yeah, we, we can really, I think we should release also some BTS stuff behind the scenes mm-hmm. um, because I think we can also sell on the good faith that if Matthew can show up to work every day for 25 years in order to release this uh, promotion for a film that probably will gross in a re-release, what, $10, 15000000 million, um, I think that you can sit your ass down for at least 10 of those 20 years and and try and understand what he's trying to tell you. I mean, look, if you if this is all too much for you, just go see Rebuild of Troll 2 Part 1 Exaltation and like look up look up a video online that's 4 hours long explaining all the easter eggs. That is another part in the promise department that we are particularly interested in this for uh, it was takedowns. So we want to have actually a, uh, give you a takedown department to actually take mm-hmm, down mm-hmm. People that try and, you know, people, videos, synopsi, anything that tries to truncate or condense this florid world that you're weaving needs to be mm. disappeared. And, um, yeah. I mean, and, and, and similarly, I think it's important that we discourage anyone who thinks that they've cracked the case. 
uh, we're going to set up a Twitter account um, for for me for the for the overseer <laughs> of this whole department yeah. solely so that I can reply to people's tweets saying I think I figured it out and giving me a theory so that I can say no that's wrong. Yeah, uh, I will say no. That's wrong to every single theory that is thrown at me of somebody thinking they understand it. They'll be like, "Oh my god, this is all about the Gulf War." I'll be like, "Nope, that's wrong." Yeah, and in a way, upon the the corpses of their ideas, shall shall a sublore be built? If you know what I yes, mean, they're like, "We don't know absolutely. what this is, but we." definitely know what it's not and what it's not is almost more interesting it just makes it more enticing for people as they try to piece these things together it's it's the ultimate puzzle box one that can never be solved because solutions are never as satisfying as the questions right we learned this when we watched lost and we learned anything from jj abrams really yeah anything from jj abrams the questions are always more interesting than the answers so that's all this is is questions and every time you think you every time you get an answer you're given 12 more questions so it's a journey that never ends and it's it's a it's a beautiful experience. It's a beautiful ARG, an alternate reality game for people to try to crack, and they never will. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the futility of this project is attractive to us in the Promise mm-hmm, Department. Mm-hmm. It's definitely art for a post-corona age. It's definitely yes. for a Gen Z audience. If anyone knows anything about Gen Z, their attention spans are killer. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so a project that demands probably around the clock attention from them for a good quarter of their natural life. Yeah, I think at least, very... at least 25 years. <laughs> at least 25 years. Quarter of a century at the very least. I mean, um, just the graphic novels is going to take a decade. So is, uh, in the same vein as Square Enix, is the uh, marketing art going to be probably 10 to 15 times better than the actual product? Yes, 100%. It's going to be gorgeous. Um, and also, I'll be adopting the sort of Yoko Taro uh, method of not only storytelling, but also just public appearances. I will only show up to discuss the project of the compilation of Troll 2 uh, wearing a mask, wearing one of the goblin masks. I will never All show right. my face in public to create a greater sense of uh, enigma around who is this man, what's going on. And that's the other thing that we should probably mention, speaking of Yoko Taro, not only will this be very convoluted and interesting, it will be be very horny. I cannot stress that enough. These character designs for these new characters, very horny. I mean, I'm talking like, you know, a strangle strip of cloth covering nipples, covering testicles, you know, just like... Covering testicles, but not the cock. Uh, well, I mean, so the, the cop, the, in this imagining, there's like a single string of cloth wrapping around this person's waist and the, 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 the dick is kind of tucked upwards into it. Okay. So do we see like a sort of a, a bend in the river if you, if yeah, you yeah, absolutely. And you All see right. maybe like the, you see maybe like the base of the shaft somewhat, uh, what we'll call a new, <laughs> a new term that we're coining called shaft cleavage. Shaft cleavage. You heard it here first on the adaptation game. Absolutely. You know, there's something in there for everybody. These characters are going to be showing a lot of skin. And, oh, um, and some foreskin. <laughs> a lot of foreskin. And anytime that we're questioned about that, uh, we'll never say, no, we just wanted it to be, be horny. There's always going to be a convoluted there's a, there's a in-universe reason. explanation. Yeah. And, and uh, that, you'll be ashamed for, for, for questioning that. 
answer their question with another question is all you have to do. Sort of do it a little uh, uh, Tucker Carlson style. Like, do you think there's a reason? And then, like, are they going to tell you no? And you can also say, like, look, this is a seventh generation android who is actually a 700 year old dragon woman. So her species, this is part of her culture that they just wear a single piece of piece of cloth over their breasts and over their genitals. Uh, the men and the women. This is part of their culture. So what you're doing is being culturally insensitive yeah, uh, they, by questioning it. And they secrete glue instead of sweat. And so that's why it stays there no matter how they move about your Absolutely gaming correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, there is going to be a lot of jiggling, though. B- jiggling both of the breasts and of the testicles. A in- incorrigible amount. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something for the fans. Something to keep people interested. We'll also be doing a lot of tie-in promotions, you know, special Wendy's costumes, special Arby's costumes. Wendy's costumes. I see pigtails in the future. Yeah, absolutely. But the uh, now I should also state that these costumes will all also be extremely horny. These will be horny costumes. You're not going to escape the horny by getting these exclusive costumes. Uh, You know, Final Fantasy tie-in stuff, stuff to tie into... You know, Square's other products, uh, maybe even like a room crossover. Maybe we like imply that the room and Troll 2, you know, two of the most notorious bad movies share a universe. Okay. Uh, Yeah, maybe like the room takes place in a a snow globe on someone's desk uh, in Nilbog. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, there'll be like a little snow globe where you'll see like a little miniature Tommy Wiseau in it. And like the mm-hmm. real fans will be like, hey, wait a minute. But, you know, it's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. I mean, we're the industry we're going to be creating on YouTube, right? You know, yeah. like just just around trying to decipher this in and of itself is going to be an economic boom for the country. I mean, the ad revenue alone. The takedowns alone. The copyright takedowns, yeah. It's just like a live game of cat and mouse between the promise department and and these people that just want to enjoy your fucking product. And I will also say that the rebuild of Troll 2 will never finish. Uh, the the re-release project, oh. it'll only get about five in, and then I will die suddenly. <gasps> and there will be a, a kind of a forever thing of like, oh my God, I can't believe he died, and we'll never get to see his complete like, vision. Yeah, they'll be like, if it only, if only, if only, and they'll look out their window and, and dream of the the release that never was. Exactly. Exactly. See, now this is this is what I'm talking about, Chris. This is this is how you entice customers yeah. into a new world. This is how you get them to pledge to you a quarter of their life so oh, that I've, they can yeah, watch this story go unfulfilled. So what kind of lights do we get in here, Chris? Are you going to join me on this journey through the compilation of Troll 2? Yeah, what you get is uh, it's a traffic light that counts down uh, and underneath it is a world clock. And it uh, has 25 <laughs> years, and at the, in the 25th year, uh, it'll it'll slowly pace down to the green, and on the 25th year, you'll get the green. Because I don't think and you're quite old enough yet. I think you need that to, you moment, have to die of natural causes. So you have to start that, this when you're 50. That yeah, that's true. That's true. I should start this when I'm 50, so that at the ripe age of 75, I just yeah. fall over dead, pen in hand, halfway through the script for uh, the rebuild of Troll it. Two Part Five. That's how Shakespeare um, did it, and it worked out great for him. So, what were the similarities between these pitches, Chris? Um, they were not 
easy to engage with as an audience. No, member. you have to earn it. You have to earn you these, have to these earn experiences. Both of them. You either have to become a murderer of a a, a dark energy piloted uh, suit of armor from a culture you don't quite understand. Um, but that's okay because now they're the filmmakers. You have to risk life and limb navigating these dark corridors of this house. And and then you start running, you know, and there's splinters. Oh, oh there's yeah. splinters. We didn't even talk about the oh, splinters. Oh, yeah. And, in, um, and again, these I cannot stress enough how tight these corridors are. It, it, I mean, it can't be. You just have to be there. Um, it's like the it's, scene in The Matrix when Morpheus gets pulled out of that wall by Agent Smith. Uh, that's like the kind of tightness we're talking about. This is the kind of business that we're slinging here. Um they both had a blank check budget, and that was fun. Uh, both incredibly yeah. expensive endeavors. Um, and I'd like to think a large portion of both of them took place in Vermont. Uh, I mean, my you know, it could be it could be experienced anywhere. It could be experienced anywhere, truly. But I think the books a million by the time that this project is actually happening, the final books a million will be in Vermont. So that's where you have to go to get the light novel nice. tie in. That's great. Um, so you're correct about that. Yeah, there's a lot of Vermont, Vermont energy all around. Um, very horny, both of these. Uh, not yeah, for children, but so. but at the same time marketed for children and directly to them and both, hoping to entice them. And both of them in that regard playing to audiences that may never otherwise see a bare woman's breast. You know what I mean? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, if you've spent a, a quarter of your life trying to piece together these these story beats – you're never going to see the an, a, a woman naked outside of the like uh, nude mod that you downloaded for your Google Stadia game. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting one because it's interspecies because we're dealing with the Troll 2 characters as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's nudity of all kinds here. And I don't mean to imply that people who like video games have never seen a wo woman naked before. I have seen no. at least one woman naked in my life. Yeah. Um, it was on Google, mind you. I was but, there. Um, yeah, we, we yeah, shared in that I, singular I, experience. I said, Chris, what does a naked woman look like? And you said, uh, you know, that I don't actually you know, know. I never actually <laughs> thought about that. And you, you, we pulled up, we pulled up Google, and then we called your wife in, and and she said, "Yep, that's that's what they she look said, like." Yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and verify. And you were like, "Huh?" And we both Shit. said to each other, "I hope to one day see that in person." And then we turned, um, you know, and then after that, we giggled and we're like, <laughs> "Gross." And, yeah. <laughs> and we went back to our juice boxes. Yeah. Um. So. <laughs> This was a this was a nice uh, a nice little off the rails uh, experience yeah, but, for us. I, I appreciate very banterous. that. Probably the most banterous yet. Absolutely, and but maybe not the horniest. Um, that's not, that's going to be that's a competitive it's a competitive title. Uh, and next week, viewers, I promise you, we will do better. We will create a hornier podcast. I don't know how, but we'll pull it off. We'll find a way to pull it off. Remove that so, strip of uh, of fabric, Daddy O. Yeah, remove that single singular strip of fabric. And let that shaft cleavage, shaft cleavage breathe. <laughs> um, okay, that's it. Bye.